Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. The word reads, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. This is the word of God. Let's pray for Pastor Ramazan. Dear Lord, thank you for our dear brother, Pastor Ramazan, his presence among us today. We are blessed and privileged to hear from our Turkish pastor who has great faith, Lord, like this woman in the text. So I pray that you bless his words, Lord, to open our spiritual ears and our spiritual heart to receive what he brings to us today. May the words of his mouth and the meditation of his heart be acceptable unto you, our Lord, our Rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Catherine, and uh, thank you, music team, for that Christ-honoring and inspiring leadership. It's good to have you at the piano for a change, Jim. It was that why I figured it was real. <laughs> uh, well, it was wonderful, really. Back in 1997, Renata and I were invited to have dinner one evening with uh, the general manager of a hotel out in Tekarova. I remember very little from that evening, but I have one vivid memory. And that is the hotel security guard. When we drove up, the guard came to my open window. He looked in and he said, Susie Taniotum. Uh, he noticed Renata and me and uh, his name was Ramazan Arkan. And Ramazan had attended uh, this church back when it met in the Kishlahan, or the, now it's the Kahan Hotel, or the Khan Hotel, um, way back in, in 1997. Uh, this was before the Turkish church was publicly uh, established, and it was before the St. Paul Cultural Center was even a dream. And Ramazan had attended several of those services way back then, and that was the beginning of, uh, of our enduring friendship over the years. Ramazan recognized us because uh, we had attended there, but uh, of course we, we remained friends. We, we uh, had all kinds of interactions together. 
After the St. Paul Cultural Center was established in 1999, we hired Ramasan not as our security guard, but as our caretaker. I remember Ramasan removing the shutters from these windows and taking them down into the garden and cleaning them slat by slat. And uh, he would wash the toilets in this building. And he would sweep and mop the floors upon which you walk. And I believe it was... Uh, his time spent as caretaker uh, that illustrates one of his sterling qualities, and that is his humility. Ramazan's humility has enabled him to be teachable, both towards all kinds of people who have invested in his life and also toward God. It soon became evident that leadership potential was oozing from Ramazan. And one leadership, a responsibility after another, was entrusted to him. In 2002, I believe it was, uh, Ramazan became the pastor of the Antai Injil, Nisisi. And uh, since then, that fellowship has become one of the largest and healthiest Turkish congregations in the country. Ramazan has exhibited most effectively the vision and mission of the St. Paul Cultural Center, which is restoring Christ, restoring Christ. I hope you're not using this one, Ramazan. Which is restoring Christ by interrelating members of the body of Christ with people in Turkey, thereby enabling uh, the Holy Spirit and Christian witness to collaborate redemptively in all kinds of lives. Ramazan has exhibited that better than probably anyone I know. There is so much, <laughs> so much that I could say about Ramazan and our times spent together, but let me just end with a few comments. First, if you're impressed with Ramazan, then you'll really be impressed with his wife, Karen. Make sure that you uh, seize an opportunity to meet and, and greet Karen. I'm not sure if she's here today, but uh, maybe come. later. She'll be here later. They also have uh, two handsome sons named Joshua and Levi. Second, Ramazan has displayed in his life both faithfulness and fruitfulness to remarkable degrees. His journey of faith has not been at all easy. It's been exceptionally difficult and demanding. But throughout the years, Throughout the decades, he has remained lovingly loyal to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he has led to faith in Christ more people in this country than any other person I know. Finally, I would like to think that over the years, I have taught Ramazan a thing or two, particularly with regard to preaching and pastoral skills. And there is a proverb in scripture that says, a student is not greater than his teacher. Well, so much for that proverb. 
Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Okay. Good morning, church. So good to be here today with you guys. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Today is a beautiful day. And thank you so much, all these things that you said about me, James. Yeah, I appreciate it. Today is a beautiful day because we worship God. We worship only God that who loves us. And also today is especially beautiful day for us as a Turkish church because today is the day that we will baptize 18 people in our church today in this cultural center after the Turkish church service. God is so faithful and I'm so glad that he is in this place. He is in our church and he is in our lives because when he is in our lives, everything changes. Amen. That's why we worship. That's why we are here to praise and honor his name because he is worthy. I wanted to talk to you today about uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. Maybe you were wondering why he chose this passage. Because many people has some struggle about this passage. But I chose this passage because this passage is my one of my favorite story in the Bible. That's why I wanted to share this story with you. But before we look at this passage... Let's watch these short videos and then we're going to talk about it. Oh, the boys are so crazy, girl! <laughs> I hope she sings this tonight. I know! She's not clever! Come on. Oh, honey? Here's some money. What do we got here? Hello. I'm a daddy. Hello. Well, how much are they asking? Well, that's a lot of money for a deck. Well, I hate to tell you this, but you're getting robbed. Did you hear me? You're getting robbed. Stop! An open mind, equal opportunity. Okay, these videos illustrate something about our passage today. That is, if you don't understand uh, the setting, the culture, 
and the purpose of Jesus and what he's trying to do here, this passage actually won't make sense to you. It is very uh, easy to misunderstand this passage and point of Jesus here. Without understanding the culture, the response of Jesus to Canaanite woman is not something that would make any of us want to accept him in our lives. First of all, his words make him appear against woman, an anti-Gentile. He ignores and he rejects and he insults people who seek his help. But we know that this is not the true picture of Jesus, isn't it? We know that this is not, not real character of Jesus. How do we know? Because when we, can, next, when we look at the John chapter 4, we see that Jesus interacts with the Samaritan woman. In that culture, in that time, Jewish, Jewish people did not like the Samaritan woman. That they didn't like the Samaritans. They did not interact with them. But Jesus spent time with this woman and he asked water from her. And also in the end of the passage, we see that he honors that woman. And then we know that he's not anti-Gentile. Because when we look at the, uh, Matthew chapter 8, there is a, uh, um, uh, there's a, a Roman soldier that he comes and he asks help from Jesus to heal his servant. And then Jesus accepts his request and heal his servant. And also Jesus prays this man's faith, isn't it? In the Bible, there's two places that Jesus Praise the people faith. One is this uh, Roman soldier, and the other one is the Canaanite woman. We know that Jesus is not against woman. We know that Jesus is not against the anti-Gentiles. He's not anti-Gentiles. Then why he did this? But in this chapter, Jesus acts out of character because he has a purpose for doing so. I believe that that is why we have to seek to understand in the original context, cultural context here. Otherwise, we will miss the point of this story. When Jesus came to this Gentile area, next, please. When Jesus came to this Gentile area, oh, that's the wrong one before, please. One before. Yeah. When Jesus came to this area, he wanted to rest uh, with his disciples from all the ministry that they had done before. Because they were doing a lot of ministry in Jewish area. They were so busy doing ministry and they didn't have time to rest. Even one of the verses tells us that they didn't have time to eat. And that's why they came to this area that they can relax and they can rest. And also Jesus, this last year of his ministry, he wants to focus on his disciples. He wants to teach them. He wants to spend more time with them. Because Jesus wants to give his ministry to them. 
and they will carry on his ministry. And that's why Jesus wanted to spend time with his disciples in this Gentile area. And Jesus wanted to focus on teaching and his, his disciples because he wants them to reflect his character to the world. One of my friends told me that when reading the New Testament, if you see that Jesus does something unexpected when he is with his disciples, he is probably trying to teach them a lesson or change something in their character. In this passage, Jesus' goal was not only test the faith of the Canaanite woman, but also he wanted to teach something to his disciples. What he's trying to teach to, please, one more, one more. What he's trying to teach his disciples here. Let's look at when Jesus came to this area, Canaanite woman came to him and he, she cried out, Lord, son of David. Have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer her. So his disciples came to him and urged him to send her away. Then Jesus said to her, I was sent only the lost sheep of Israel. And then she responded by getting on her knees and said, Lord, help me. Jesus answered her. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dog. First of all, Jesus ignored her. He did not answer her. Then he rejected her. Then he humiliated her by calling her a dog. Why? Why Jesus act like that? Because Jesus didn't talk to her because in his culture, Jewish rabbi did not engage in conversation with women, especially Gentile women, especially the Canaanite woman. They believed that they were unclean. The Canaanites were enemies of Jews. They believe in many other gods. In the Old Testament, we see that the Canaanites, they even offering their children to those gods. They sacrifice their children to those gods. There is a lots of different beliefs between Jewish and Canaanites. The Jews did not like them. They didn't have any relationship with Canaanites or Gentiles. Jesus knew this. Also, the disciples were Jewish too. Jesus knew the picture in his disciples' head in their mind regarding to Gentiles and this woman. By looking at what disciples said to Jesus, we can see what they thought of her. They were so uncomfortable with her presence. And then they said to Jesus, send her away. We don't want to be with her. We don't want her to come to us. They were very uncomfortable with her presence and they were very annoyed by her. They thought that she had no right to come to ask something from Jesus. To them, she was just a dog. She wasn't worth it that time. Jesus, in this situation, with his silence, his action, and with his words, to try to define the cultural wall 
between the disciples and the Canaanite woman. Jesus took this opportunity to make it an object lesson for his disciples. Instead, explaining with words, he played a role for a disciples for a moment. By not speaking the woman, Jesus painted a picture of traditional Jewish expectations. By calling her a dog, he voiced the inner thoughts of Jewish and the disciples. We would note here that in that culture, they didn't treat dogs like we treat dogs in our culture. Maybe one before. We gave our dog inside warm house. We treat them as if they were the part of the family, isn't it? Maybe not Turkish people, all the Turkish people. But I know lots of foreigners that they do that. And for example, I have a friend that they have a dog named Jamie. They love this dog. And the dog loves them so much too. And they give uh, this dog an inside warm house, really good food. They take care of this dog really well inside the home. And one day, my friend Ronnie, he, she told me, Hey, Ramazan, do you know, Jamie doesn't think that she's a dog. She thinks that she's a human and part of our family. But in that culture, in that culture, in this passage, the dog were not treated like this. The dog were dirty. They live outside of homes. And they ate the crumbs or the leftover from his master's table. They were not a part of the family. This is how the disciples saw the Gentiles. They believed that they, that they were Jewish and they were children of God and they were the, a part of the family of God and the Jews uh, sorry, the Gentiles, the Canaanites, they cannot be part of the family of God. They are outsiders. They cannot be part of their religion. They cannot be part of their uh, family of God. They have to leave the outside. Think about it. If disciples were thinking like this, how Jesus could give his ministry to them. How they can reflect the Jesus character to all the nations. How they can show the love of God to all the other nations. If Jesus doesn't change their racist mindset. If Jesus can't change their racist mindset. How they can take the uh, good news to all the other nations. That's why Jesus used a drama and played a role with his disciples until verse 27 to define the cultural wall that exists between the disciples and the Canaanite woman. Watching Jesus, the disciples must have thought that 
he would send the woman away and humiliate her. But when we look at the verses 28, we see that Jesus switched his role and showed the woman honor and value. Basically, he broke this wall by his response to this woman. He said to the woman, Oh woman, you have a great faith. You have a great faith. This actually means, woman, I know you. I know your heart. You are not the dog that the, my people think you are. You are not an outsider. With the faith that you have, you are the part of the kingdom of God. You can be the part of the family of God. The Canaanite woman really did have a great faith in Jesus, isn't it? I believe that she might have looked for help in many places before coming to Jesus. But nothing worked. Then she saw that Jesus came to her own town. She must have heard before about Jesus. She must have heard what he did and who he was. And she came to Jesus with the faith that he could help her. When we look at the Canaanite woman's faith, she approached Jesus with humility, isn't it? She wanted from Jesus not what she thought she deserved, but she wanted his mercy. She wanted his mercy. Before coming to Jesus, she knew about the cultural wall that exists between her and the Jewish people. She knew that the Jews did not like the Canaanites. She knew that she didn't deserve anything from Jesus. But in spite of all the obstacles, she begged for mercy and help from Jesus. We see that she first cried out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus did not answer. Then she kneeled down before him. And the King James Version, it says that she worshipped him. And she said, please, Lord, help me. Then Jesus gave her a negative answer. But she persisted and pursued him. Yes, Lord, I know who I am, and I also know who you are. I know that I don't deserve a meal from your table. But all I need is crumb. I just need a little bit of you. Then Jesus answered her request. She was, look at this, she was willing to be identified as a dog if it was necessary to connect her to the Lord. There are lots of things to learn from this story. At what point do you stop pursuing God? At what point does your pride keep you from pursuing God? Are you willing to be identified as a dog to have God or the cultural titles and prejudices keeps you from connecting with God? How do you respond to test, faith test in your life? When you come to God and it doesn't seem like He is answering, 
And when you pursue him and ask for things, it seems like he is not coming true. How do you respond? Do you stop when he doesn't answer? Do you stop when you get a negative answer from God? Do you stop when it means you have to identify yourself as a dog? Or do you kneel down before him and humble yourself and connect with God and allow God you to or God to honor you? Are you willing to be humble yourself and allow God to honor you on his own time? Earlier I said that Jesus' call in this situation was not the test, only the test of this woman's faith, but also he wants to teach something to his disciples, isn't it? We are also the disciples of Jesus, isn't it? We believe him, we believe in him, we follow him. We are the disciples of Jesus. What can we learn from this story more? The question we have to ask ourselves, what is the cultural barrier do you endorse in your life? An easier way to ask this question, who are you not willing to minister or to share your life with? This is the woman that Jewish people did not like connect serve or accept. But Jesus wanted broke this wall and he wanted broke this wall in his disciples' head. I want to give you an example of how Jesus broke the wall, cultural wall in my in my life. I gave you actually this example before my other sermon, but I this really fit in this passage again and I want to share it with you again. I I was a communist before I uh, I come to Jesus. I was a socialist. And I did not like the nationalist people. I didn't want to do anything with them. We were kind of like enemies. We did a lot of politics fight when I was a student with them. And then I came to the church in 1994. And there was a guy in the church that he was a Christian at that time. But he was coming from the nationalist background to Jesus. Okay? He was a strong nationalist. He did not like the socialist people. He did not like the leftist. And he did not like the Kurdish people also. And he and I, we fought when we met first time. Physically fight. They separated us. But after, many years later, I became a Christian and God worked in my heart that I went to uh, him and I apologized and we became a friend. One day, this former nationalist, he called me to perform his uh, wedding ceremony. And ironically, he was getting married with Kurdish lady. <laughs> And then I went to Diyarbakir to, uh, uh, you know, perform their weddings. Before the wedding, the three of us, the Kurdish lady, 
former nationalist and a former socialist gathered together before the Christ, praying each other and calling each other brother and sister. You know, this is only Jesus can do. Jesus broke the cultural wall in our lives that we could call each other brothers and sisters. And also I was teaching, uh, I was preaching uh, one of the conference in California one day. That was a youth conference. And then after I preached, in the end of the conference, one of the guys came to me and he said, Pastor Ramazan, I want to introduce myself to you. And I said, please go ahead. And he said, I'm an Armenian. All my life, I hate Turks. My family taught me how to hate Turks. All my life, I did not like the Turkish people. And then he said, I became a Christian three years ago. And then after I became a Christian, God showed me that I need to do something about my feelings about Turks. And then I repent. And then I allow God to change my heart. And now, Pastor Ramazan, I don't hate Turks. I pray for your country and I pray for your people so often now. And then he told me, can I give you a hug? And I said, sure. We hug each other. And then we kneel down before the Christ and we pray for one another. You see how Jesus broke the cultural wall in my life, in this guy's life, and also in my former nationalist friend. That friend that I have, he is my one of my best friends now. I would never imagine that in this world, my best friend would be a former nationalist. This is how Jesus broke the wall in our lives. Then what about you? I want to challenge you today. What about you? What can you do to start breaking those barriers now? You can start with communication and others can see who you are in Christ. How do you treat people in your life? Do you treat them like the disciples did in this passage? Do you remember they were annoyed by her? They did not want her to be there. Do you treat them like that? Or do you treat them as Jesus would? Do you feel uncomfortable with them? Do you look at them as they were a dog, nothing to you? The simple question that I have, who is the Canaanite woman in your life? Black or white, Kurdish people or Turks, American, Germans, Democrat, Republicans, homeless people, or your neighbor or someone at this church that you are not comfortable with. When you look at 
your life, and if you see that there are Canaanites in it, you need to do something about that wall. Because Jesus wants to break that wall in your life. Why he wants to break that wall in your life? Because he wants you to reflect his character and love to everybody. He wants to reflect his character to all the nations. He wants you to give them a value and honor them because Jesus himself loves them and honors them. That's the way that we can reflect the Jesus character. That's the way that we can share his message. That's the way that people can see who we are in this world like Jesus. If you see Maybe you don't have the Canaanites in your life. But if you see that other people have Canaanites in their life, what do you do about that? When they speak wrongly about those people, when they speak against uh, about those people, what do you do about that? Do you speak up? Are you trying to change? in their minds and in their actions, and do something about it? Speak up, or are you trying to be silent that don't get involved in any problem? My friend, Jesus wants all of us to have faith like the Canaanite woman. If you want to have this kind of faith, All you need to do is humble yourself like the Canaanite woman. Know who Jesus really is and pursue and persist in your relationship with him. When you have obstacles in your faith, in your life, don't give up. If you see cultural walls in your life, let Jesus break them down, break them down. You know, if you do that, What you will hear from Jesus? Hey son, you have a great faith. My daughter, you have a great faith. We can all have a great faith. But we have to look at Jesus and learn from him. And allow him to work in our life. That we can honor him this way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are in our lives. We are grateful that you work in our lives. There is a lot of things in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds that needs to change. Jesus, we want to reflect your character. We want to show your love to people. Sometimes the things that we have in our lives, it comes as an obstacle to do that. There is walls in our lives. Jesus, we pray that how you broke those walls in your disciples' life, please come and broke also those walls in our hearts, in our minds, that we can reflect your character perfectly. 
Jesus, we want the people to know that we belong to you. We want people to know that we are Christian by our love. Jesus, please help us to change. And also help us to respond like the Canaanite woman when you test our faith. Help us to not to give up. That we can persist and pursue you. Even that the answer when we don't like it. That we can still trust in you. Please Lord come and make in our lives have a great faith too. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. God bless you all.